Uh, hold on one second. I gotta get this cat out of here. Sorry, Tim. Holding on for the cat. The cat loves Chachi. Joni loves heroin. Cats love Chachi. Chachi loves flatter. Sorry. Just to recap while you were gone, Joni loves heroin. Cats <laughs> love Chachi. Chachi loves the flat earth society. Hey everyone ever, and welcome to 20th Century Pop, the show where we try to understand the present while living in the past. My name is Tim Blevins. And I am Bob Canning. And Bob, uh, welcome back. Is that proper to say? I guess we went a week without the show. Sure, yeah. To fill in that space. How did we let that happen? I think we missed a recording session because of my error or something that was going on in my life. Um, and so 20 people were let down. Well, maybe not everyone that subscribed, but a, a portion of our guaranteed audience may have noticed that that week they didn't have to pretend to like some Facebook post I put up. Well, I'm glad we're back. I think I am. Yeah, we're back. Uh, it's September. It's almost fall. It's school time, maybe. I That's don't know. This, true. Uh, at least growing up, this would have been an era of school. Um, I mean, you have kids, so I don't know if moving into fall, moving into September, I don't know if that has any meaning or, 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 no, or, it, or value. definitely does. I mean, I prefer the school year. Uh, now that I have kids, well, even, I, I don't know, maybe I didn't when I was younger, but now that I'm a... Uh, a father, I prefer the school year because it has routine, it has a schedule, I know where my children are during the day, um, so it's it's definitely my preferred time of year. Do you see in any of their practices of going to school or their day-to-day -day routine, do you see anything that looks familiar towards your life? Like, does that seem like what your life would have been at that age with school and everything? Uh, yes and no. It's kind of hard to say because... Um, I'm not. That was in, all of the answers. Yeah, all of the, the answers. There's all of them. That. Yes. Uh, maybe I'll add. I'll throw in a maybe, and I, I'm not sure. Uh, I'm in a different school district than where I grew up, and it's a sort of different thing. So I grew up in upstate New York, and now we're in Southern California, and so um, there's different ways that things are done, and different ways the schools are set up, um, and so there's a lot that's just new to me. Uh, that will never be the same as my childhood. But then there's the things like doing the homework and, and doing projects and that kind of stuff and, and wanting not to do them and wanting to watch TV instead or wanting to work on this part of the homework because it involves coloring as opposed to this part because it involves math. So, you know, I see that. Both of your daughters, they're in actual grades of school. They're not in high school yet, are they? That's no, yeah, they're something. still they're still young. But do they watch shows about high school? No. Yeah, that's part of why I'm excited that they're getting at this age where they can stay up a little later and watch these other shows. Because right now they're still watching uh, Odd Squad, which is a kid's show run, you know, a world run by kids. <clears throat> um, what else? They're watching Arthur. They're watching, you know, animated afternoon stuff. Um, so they're not watching shows like what we're going to talk about today. Um, that just hasn't crossed their path yet. Well, what are we going to talk about today? What well, What is today's topic? Today's topic is the one-season wonder, um, Square Pegs. Yes, one of my favorite shows 
of the 80s. I loved this show, and I loved it when it was on. And I'm, I was asking about your own kids, because when this show aired, it aired in um, 1982. It aired from September 27th, 1982 to March 7th, 1983, like you said, a single-season show. Um, and I, I remember, I think we probably watched it for four or five weeks in a row, my brother and I. And I was in second grade yeah. when the show aired. I, I, I didn't, you know, I had, I didn't know high school. I didn't know from any of that kind of setup. So I'm, I'm, but this show, this, this show, I don't even know how I understood it. Cause it's a show set in a high school in the eighties and we'll get into it in a minute. Um, but yeah, did, was this a program you watched? Were you familiar with square pegs prior to researching it for the episode? Um, I was not aware of the television show existing until I was in college. And even how then, did you I didn't, hear about it then? Oh, other people talking about it. And it might have been late college and after college. I know you probably talked about it and just other people would talk about it. Um, and and then I heard about it more as Sarah Jessica Parker took off with uh, Sex and the City. Um, and it just would come up occasionally. Um, but I didn't – I've never seen an episode until this past week when I watched these episodes that we're going to talk about. Yeah, it's not a show I've ever really talked about with people. It's one of those things like thinking about about doing it for the show when that was kind of coming up. I was getting excited about it. I also realized like whenever I list my favorite shows, remember we're talking about programs from the past and stuff. I don't think I ever bring this up. This wasn't something, even when it was on, I don't remember sharing the show. I don't know if I did that back then, but it wasn't like I was talking to my friends about the show. My brother and I watched it. And that was about it, and it existed. And I don't know if I knew how TV seasons worked at that point, but it existed. I think there was a show on before this that was some – I don't know what was on before. I have vague memories, and I was looking on YouTube of a couple shows that might have been on. I think there was this Son of Zorro sitcom <laughs> that we used to watch, and it would lead into this. But um, I'm curious, because what we're going to do today, we're doing something called a binge in podcast. We, we watched four episodes of the show, um, and we're going to talk a little bit about it, and – I'm curious to talk about it with you to see how how that conversation goes because I don't know why exactly I love this at age what are you in second grade seven? Yes, seven or eight. Like I think I was was eight, so that would have put me in third grade. I think. So what were you watching in 1982? Grade. Like, do you know what was on at that time? Do you know I, kind of what was on the airwaves? I actually I, I looked it up because I wanted to kind of figure out how I missed the show. Like it wasn't it was never on my radar. And basically I think what it was happening is I was watching what my mother was watching and she probably had no interest in the show. Okay. And so I was watching I think it was That's Incredible is what aired uh, opposite this on ABC. That is incredible. Um, so that, that I remember, that and Real People, that kind of programming is what my mother was oh, watching. Oh, so like the live action sort of, not variety show, yeah. but kind of human interest stories. Were you watching any sitcoms at this time? Were I you don't watching think so. half-hour comedies? I think they came in the next couple of years, though, because I know I got into Family Ties. And then after that, the uh, the ABC shows, that was much later in the 80s, I think. Um but no, I really wasn't watching too much, uh, too many sitcoms. I know that, uh, yeah, I know my mother watched Dallas and that was like later in, in, like, I think it was older than this. That was always a sign that it was time for bed once I started to hear that Dallas theme. 
I love the Dallas theme. I, I was I've actually listened to that recently, but you're right. That, that was I think that was show was on Friday nights. So I think sometimes it'd be like a Bugs Bunny special or something. Then it was time to go to bed, and on the way up the stairs, we'd hear the Dallas right? theme. And so I do have that sense <laughs> memory to that. Yeah. But 1982 on TV, I, I looked up a little bit because I was curious. Like like you know, like <clears throat> we're talking about what else was on the air. Um, 1982 when this show debuted. A couple other shows just to give you a sense of what the TV landscape was like. At the time, um, earlier in 1982, so this this might have been in like January, February, Fame, the TV show Fame premiered on TV. So that's kind of about a high school. It's kind of a heightened version of, a, of an art school for, and for I, dancing and singing. And I watched Fame. Oh, you did? Yeah. I don't know if I watched, I don't know if I watched it the, the season it premiered, but I did end up watching Fame. Okay. I never watched Fame. Um, another show, the thing about sitcoms, uh, Joni Loves Chachi aired. Uh, came to the air. I don't know. Were you watching Happy Days? Was that a show you followed? Here's my thing about Happy Days. Happy Days and there's probably a couple other shows where um, I don't know if I was watching the new seasons or reruns or syndicated um, of those shows. But like Happy Days and MASH, they sort of all kind of blended together when I was younger and would see them. Um, There's probably others, but Happy Days for sure. It seemed like it was on all the time somewhere when I was young. I think it was. I think it was in constant rotation, like syndication. But I think what you're saying is interesting. Like early memories of TV. Yeah, I guess you're at the the whim of whoever is wielding the – it's not a remote even. They have to get up and turn the channel. Maybe that's why we'd stay on one show. It's so much effort to change it. But it's like, yeah, I don't remember picking and choosing shows. I mean – 1982 is when Family Ties premiered. It's when Cheers premiered. And eventually I would go on and really follow those shows. But in terms of a show where I'm like, I got to watch that. Maybe Different Strokes, Happy Days, Mork and Mindy. These were shows that we watched. But these are, again, there were shows that our parents put on for us because they liked them as well. This show, Square Pegs, my brother and I stumbled across it. And I, I'm, I can only guess. So if I was seven, he was nine. He must have been aware of Saturday Night Live because um, Square Pegs is a show created by Ann Beats, who's one of the original writers on Saturday Night Live. She was also a contributor to National Lampoon in the 70s. And this was her show. So I'm guessing that's what brought us to it. My brother's fandom for Saturday Night Live and his knowledge of maybe who she was is why we watched this. And I really only mentioned that So he would have been aware of that? Like that was – when I was a kid, I never knew that kind of stuff. Like I never, it was like years later I would find out how how comedians and writers and actors are tied to projects. I, I never knew that ahead of time. So yeah, I don't know. I neither one of us was in high school. <laughs> I don't know what was getting us into this show. Um, and I guess I, I was mentioning Ann Beats because I think there's some important things about that. Is I mean, looking at the landscape of TV at the time, there wasn't a show like this. No. I mean, there weren't a lot of female showrunners, you know, it was especially in comedy. Excuse me. When I, I mean, again, this was the first time I've ever seen the show and a couple things stood out right away. It it looked like nothing that I saw growing up. It was a single camera, which. Yeah, it's a single camera show. A single camera comedy with a laugh track. So like, I didn't see anything like that until sports night was on. Um, and even oh, that, really? You yeah. didn't watch like uh, the Days and Nights of Molly Dodd? I did or not. Or some of the, or L.A. Law? Was that? That's a but, funny one. But did Days and Nights of Molly Dodd have a laugh track? No, I don't think it did. You're yeah, right. Yeah, like this was like just a weird, especially for that time, at least from my memory, 
it was a weird thing to see that this was from 1982, a single camera sitcom with a laugh track. But then also all the names were, were female names, at least in the first episode, especially uh, produced by, written by, directed by, were all female names, which I thought was pretty outstanding. I think that's incredibly impactive. I mean, Ann Beats from Saturday Night Live, who, who created it, was is a very major force in, I think, where comedy went in the 70s and 80s, because she was infiltrating basically which what was a chauvinistic boys club, the Harvard Lampoon, the National Lampoon, all these, you know, the Ivan Reitman films, even Saturday Night Live. I mean, these, these are boy mentality driven shows that yeah. she was hired for. And she had to fight to get her stuff on. And so I think getting a show and running a show, I mean, she staffed it with strong female writers, I mean, and strong female directors, which again, I wouldn't have been aware of this then, but looking at the show now, it, it is an amazing, anomaly is the wrong word, but it's like, this is a rarity at the time. And I'm glad it got on the air. I mean, Janice Hirsch and Marjorie Gross are two authors who went on to work on things that I love, like anything but love, and they started on this show. Uh, Rosie Sh- uh, Schuster, who is another... A writer from the original Saturday Night Live, she's on the show. Like there is, there is something going on with that. That again, as a child, I wasn't aware of. But it, you're right; it's very distinctive looking. It's different looking yeah. than anything else on TV. And um, to get into the show a little bit, the opening credits kind of establishes exactly uh, what this show is about. I thought, anyways. There's a little bit of narration at the beginning. There's two main characters, and we'll talk about the characters in a minute. They're talking back and forth about this, this idea of clicks. Is that a word to you? Are you familiar with the concept of like clicks in oh, high sure. school? That is, yeah, yeah. The jocks, the the nerds, the drama geeks. But then there's also clicks of people, just friends that will always stick together until one of them has a falling out. But yes, clicks. Very aware of what a click is. That's what they're introducing, and the, and the narration is kind of about how that year the two main characters, Lauren and Patty, want to infiltrate the school cliques. They want to be popular. They want to click with the right cliques, is what they say. And as a concept, I, 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 do you remember this in school? Do you remember the idea of cliques in school? Was that something you were aware of? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, definitely. Um, I mean, there were definitely a separation of, of friend groups. Um, not always separated by sports or drama. Um, there could be some crossovers, but definitely friend groups that you're. If you're not in their group, then you're never going to be in their group, and there's no point. You know, even if you have, it'd be those types of things where you've got to suddenly you have a one-on-one with one of those people. You get along fine. You maybe make each other laugh. You have a good time. Um, but then when they're with their friends, you are non-existent because you are not a part of their group. That's not sports related, or that's not right. Like, it's interesting. You started saying those because those are the cliches. I understand you have the typical, and I think you had this at the time. It's kind of like you've got your cool greaser kids, you've got your astute jocks, you got your nerdy pocket professor geeks or pocket protector geeks. Like these were archetype television clicks. You're describing something which is more how friends interact, and that's. That's not something I think I had seen on TV before. I think this show, I feel like the the way this show is set up, the introduction makes me think of, you know, a 1999 or 2000 series, Freaks and Geeks. Like it, it, it sets up this stance that you're going to see 
all the different cliques in the school and how do they interact and how do they maneuver. And in reality, let's talk about the characters a little bit because it's not a clear-cut show. You're not getting, these are nerds, these are jocks, these are theater majors. You're getting, well, let's talk. start with the two leads. You're getting Lauren and Patty. Patty's played by uh, uh, Sarah Jessica Parker, uh, who, who I think I fell in love with from this show. And then um, Lauren is played by Amy Linker, I believe. And and how would you describe both of them as characters? They are our entry characters. They're the main characters. Like, wh- what is their click? What is it? Where do they stand in the school? I think they are um, not seen by the school. I think no one really pays any mind to them. They're sort of neutral. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's kind of how I I felt from this first episode that they're they're friends and I. I Again, we're kind of starting, I think, what we'd start with, episode 12? 12 or 13. I found conflicting numberings for him, but yeah. Yeah, so we're well into the, the, the middle of the first season, if it was a 22-episode season. Um, and yeah, uh, so I'm not sure how it was established, but I got the sense that these were friends from elementary school. They've been friends forever, the two of them. And they haven't really ventured much beyond each other, and... They they just are sort of unseen by everyone else at the school. There's nothing that they do that ever makes them stand out. And they want to stand out. And they do. Well, do they? They say they want to. They I, say they want to, yeah. Or at least one of them does. I, I love Patty and Lauren because I feel like they kind of look like... Do you ever watch the show Broad City? Are you familiar with that show? I'm familiar with it. I haven't really followed it. I haven't there's seen there's two characters on that, Abby and Alana. And, and Patty and Lauren seem almost like 80s child versions of them, which might be why I love Broad City, sort of. I, I, I mean, as a kid, briefly, when the show was aired, airing, Patty and Lauren were kind of my ideals of a kid. You know, I loved these characters and I didn't get, and I think what you're saying is, is, is interesting. Like it's not that they're nerds, not that they're geeks. I mean, uh, Patty has glasses, Lauren has braces. So they have the physical manifestations of being awkward, I guess, but you're right. They're, they're, they're just, they're non-existent in the school. Yeah. Not to everyone. They have a couple friends that we're going to, but, but was that relatable to you? Is that idea sort of something you recognized from school? Uh, Oh yeah, sure. Yeah, there's always other people that are getting the attention. There's always the 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 girl that you want to talk to, but she doesn't seem to even know you're there. Um, sure, that was very relatable. And in watching this, um, that was one of those unique things that stood out to me because all the other shows that I was familiar with or, or have a memory of now were based or centered around characters that were very noticeable. They all had something very unique about them. They were either the pretty one or the jock or clearly the the, the loser of the school, but still something noticeable about, about them. Whereas these two were just neutral, kind of normal characters, especially in this world that was created here, which has got many abnormal characters in it. Well, let's look at some of them then, I think, first, and then we'll get into the episode. What, who are a couple of the characters that stand out to you? Because there there's some main kids. They're all freshmen, which was the one thing I was going to ask you. Do they all seem to be the same age to you? No, all... and that, that kind of confused me, too. Again, coming into it you know, completely blind and then also well into the season, I really didn't get what the establishment was. I didn't know if – because I kind of felt like maybe the our two main characters – 
were in a higher grade than they should have been because they made it maybe were smarter or <laughs> or academically inclined, whereas they're in with these older kids because everybody around them seemed older. But these older kids aren't as academic. So I thought maybe that's how it was. But then, yeah, at some point it made it clear that they were all freshmen, uh, which did not <laughs> make sense to me. But I went with it. Yeah. Yeah, because everybody else seemed older. I mean, as a kid, you know, as a as a seven year old watching this, I don't think I would have known or had to make that distinction because every character would be older. But yeah, I I do feel like Patty and Lauren are freshmen. I get that; it makes sense to me. But like looking at some of the other kids in the school, I mean, they have they have two friends. I think right. There's two yeah, friends: Marshall and Johnny, who I think is nicknamed Slash. Is that right? Johnny Slashes is what they call him. Um, and the actor who plays him played Kirk's son in Star Trek two and, and three. Um, and that's the character. He's a, he's got sunglasses that he keeps pulling down. He's into new wave, not punk music. He makes all these distinctions. And as a kid, I thought this guy was so cool. My memory of the <laughs> show, at least, is that he was the coolest guy in this in the school. Sure. You know, I I you know, not that I was thinking these words at the time, but I was like, this this is a guy who transcends clicks, you know, or whatever. But rewatching these episodes, he's a he's a nerd, actually. <laughs> he's the one character I think you can point to and say that he's he's like a nerd, but he's like an untouchable one that's sort of yeah. immune from the verbal abuse. Like I don't know if he's dumb. He just has a different perception of things and he's not impacted by being called out and stuff. And I don't think there's a character prior to that that was like that on TV. Yeah, he really threw me uh, because, yeah, like you're saying, he comes off as as a cool kid just by appearance, you know, because I kind of had spiky hair and the, the glasses. Um, and he just dressed cool for that time, I suppose. But you're right. He hangs out with the the, the nerds, I guess, or the outcasts. Um but he's into cool music and he's got the glasses and he's just yeah i kind of felt like he was even maybe even a little drugged out um they don't <laughs> possible. they don't reference that directly but it's like and to me at that age especially i would have thought that he's cool cuz he's on drugs good for him <laughs> um but uh, yeah so none of the characters really um exactly fit i started to think that maybe that that they weren't Either they weren't sure what what the Valley Girl should actually be like or what the nerd should actually be like. And they were just kind of mishmashing stuff because the Valley Girl um, character, about, uh, Jennifer, Jennifer, like the 80s school girl, Jennifer, yeah, uh, played by uh, the always wonderful Tracy Nelson. Did you Ex- recognize her? From oh, I recognized her the- right away. Um, I was a big Father Dowling Mysteries fan. And when Are I you say, really? When I say I was, my mother was. And so I also watched <laughs> the Father Dowling Mysteries, and she plays a nun on that show. Yes, she does. Okay. Uh, but yes, yeah, so I recognize her. You saw her here because that wasn't that long after this, was it? Um, well, it's probably eight years, maybe. Oh, really? It was late eighties, early nineties. Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess I didn't have a sense of when that aired. Um, I think we we can we can double check that. But yeah, no, I recognized her right away. And here's the thing: I know you really like the show. But my initial in- impression of the show, and actually it still holds true, it's not well acted. What? It's not well acted. There are there are people that are good. The leads are good. But some of these um, extras, some of these secondary characters, including Tracy Nelson um, and some of the other guys, 
the, the like Tracy Nelson is supposed to be a valley girl. She doesn't dress like a valley girl. She dresses like a you know a Sunday school teacher half the time. Her hair is short instead of you know you would expect long blonde hair, and her valley girl uh, accent goes in and out. And it's also not really Valley Girl. It's more like just a bored person, um, <laughs> which is great. It's I'd, it's fine. I loved the her thing. slang like, as a kid. I wanted to talk like that as a kid when and, I heard. And probably like, as I remember a kid, her talking. And see, as a kid, I don't have that kid impression of it. As a kid, that probably makes sense. It's new. It's it's what you think that should be. Coming at it from you know having seen other Valley Girls and l- having lived in the Valley. Um, this isn't a Valley Girl. This is a TV show impersonation of a Valley Girl. Well, where do you think this show takes place? I don't know. Or we I don't know either. I, I thought it was in Minnesota, based on the name of the school, uh, which I think you just said, right? Weemawe. Yeah. Like we- I just uh, thought, it, yeah. yeah, I thought it was like some sort of Minnesota kind of place. But but I thought it was like a nondescript sort of just somewhere in the middle of the country. I didn't think it was Southern California. I don't think it is. That's why I don't think she's necessarily doing a Valley Girl in the sense of then what, is what she, we know from TV thing, yeah. and movies. She has this 80s slang accent. She has this disaffected accent that maybe she picked up from movies and right. the mall culture. But you didn't have people dressed like that in your school or similar to like – that's the thing. Like I, when I think of '80s movies, normally I think of John Hughes movies. I think of Saved by the Bell. I guess that's more '90s. But I think of the the fashions that went on to be '80s fashions and these clothes. But in reality, my school people would have dressed more like her. We didn't have right. the Atlantis cinema ready clothing. And again, I'm saying this in retrospect because in second grade we were all wearing. T-shirts and Oshkosh bagashes, but I just feel like I think what she's wearing is appropriate in the sense appropriate. That's a dumb word, but I mean I think it's reflective of the reality because these aren't cinema people, these aren't movie characters. These are kids in a school, and we and the fact that we don't know where it's taking place means that you're getting this melting pot of 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 of, of, of personalities yeah. versus again we're not getting the I mean she is the cruelest person in the school is my guess but I thought that was also realistic the way that she was cruel I think kids can be cruel I agree and I think she wasn't the most popular girl that's never really approached and she wasn't a cheerleader but she had this this slang which I really enjoyed like I I get what you're saying a little bit, like the acting is a little stilted, but that's also that's also 80s acting, I think. I think that is a little bit on shows. See, I, th- I was thinking about that, too. And one thing I thought, and then I, I went back and looked to see what else was there, but you say, like, Family Ties um, premiered this year and other shows that had been on for a while. Um, I don't know why Benson popped into my head, but I had to look up when Benson <laughs> was on because <laughs> – I mean, this was a different approach to sitcoms with the single camera and and just the and way no of, actual audience. They're not playing. To yeah, a they're real not playing audience. to anybody, and so it it definitely has a different feel. And and so that that kind of stood out to me because it seemed like clearly, and I'm you might know more than I do, but it seemed to me like somebody was really taking a risk with the way that they were putting the show together because I, I couldn't find any other shows from that era uh, that were anywhere similar to this They're, like family ties and, and benson were very you know uh uniform they had their three acts and you know it was standard 
television sitcom, well acted, well cast. Um, and this seemed like a hodgepodge mess of people just really <laughs> taking an opportunity and and throwing something together. And it didn't always work, and the acting wasn't always great, and some of it was over the top, cartoonish, and some of it was like, you know, heart wrenching, real. Um, and so I I got why this must have connected with so many people, and people continue to talk about it, even though it was a short lived show. Um, that I don't think got a lot of acclaim, or did it? Do you do you have any idea like how it was critically? I think received? it was well reviewed. I think it. I think people enjoyed the show. I mean, it. I think it had the following too. It wasn't bottom of the ratings. I I did a little bit of reading. There's um a pretty famous TV guide, um, expose that came out after the show was off the air. Apparently. The way the show was run was sort of emulating how Saturday Night Live was run. I think it was very last-minute scripts, very fly-by-the-seat-of-their-pants, very much everyone who works on the show is in charge of the show. And then anonymously from the set, from what reports were saying, there was also a lot of rampant drug use. And I don't think drug use necessarily derails a show, but in a show where your cast is kids, I'm assuming it was the adults and the staff that the, the article is talking about. So I think that added to some difficulties on the sets, both with the cast and just with stuff falling behind schedule. Like I think it was trying to emulate the seventies comedy wave on a sitcom, but it was doing it with maybe a staff that could live up to that, but with kids as actors who couldn't, I I think it was applying the mentality of how those shows were made to something like this. And that might be why it fell apart. But I I think, I think it was well liked. I, 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 I'm surprised that I don't talk about it with more people, but I was posting a little bit that we were going to be talking about the show and a few people were like, Oh, I love the show. I'm like, yeah, why did we never talk about the show? Is it maybe because you couldn't get to it? It only ran for a season. So you didn't have syndication like you did maybe with family ties or cheers. I remember they did rerun it on like comedy central. I I remember seeing that in the early nineties. There's a DVD set. That's a really nice set. It's on YouTube. I mean, you're right. I think there was a period where that was happening, but we're in an age now where you can reach back and find anything to watch. I, when we're done with this, I can go watch a Max Steel RoboForce cartoon special if I wanted to. Yeah. But I mean, I think that's why maybe though you weren't talking about it growing up though because you didn't mm-hmm. have that access well and how so, did you hear about it you said you've heard of a, well, the show it, i started hearing about it in college perhaps when it was rerunning on nickelodeon or comedy central or wherever when people were reminded of it um perhaps that's when it started to to come back into people's mindsets that that remembered it from when they watched it kind of feel like you might not have enjoyed this show let's let's talk about the first episode we watched and see yeah a little bit. So that we watched the first one we watched was called It's All How You See Things. And it's a pretty simple two plot episode. <laughs> um, Patty, who wears glasses, doesn't want to wear glasses. And there's a radio station <laughs> that's at the school. That's basically the plot. Yeah. Um, it, it, and the, and the, the show follows the structure. The plots are pretty simply laid out. It's a simple thing. I, I got glasses. Actually, I got glasses at the start of my freshman year. I didn't want them, so I get that. I, I mean... I had braces. Did you have braces? I did. I had braces in middle school uh, and probably my freshman year of high school, I think. Was that a... Tor- I'd never had braces. Was that a torturous thing to have? Was that... Um, it never seemed to bother me socially because I was never 
social. Uh, so, it, like, I wasn't picked on for having braces. I didn't feel bad for having braces. I didn't like braces because I don't like the dentist. I don't like people messing with my mouth like that. Um, but, but, but at the same time, I could relate to what was going on with these characters. It helped that they had something that, you know, a lot of us kids had. But that was also, that's the gist of the plot. Right. She doesn't want her glasses. And it's inter- it's interesting. I think Sarah Jessica Parker, is. A, I think both of the leads are amazing on the show. Oh, They're very convincing as these characters. I, I don't think it's convincing. It's a little sitcom-y how blind she is without her glasses. <laughs> and there are some strangely staged scenes with that. But And it's not like she doesn't have the glasses in her pocket. Like, if I remember from, from watching it, she takes her glasses off, puts them in her bag, and then refuses to put them on even when she's causing damage or talking to people incorrectly you know it's like just just put your glasses on for a second yeah i guess that's a moment where the show got a little too sitcommy but i feel like she really sells it i feel like she pulls that through and then maybe a different actor wouldn't um i just find it interesting that because a lot of this show, I feel like this is a show that would work better now than it worked then. I think there's more TV shows like this now. I think this is a bitter show. This yeah. isn't a happy show. This isn't a show with a mor- morality lesson or a moral to teach. This is a show about how much it sucks to be in school. And I got excited watching this episode uh, first because – and I was hoping it would be this way. Like for all the episodes, it turned out not. But, but in this episode – there are no teachers and there are no parents. And I really thought that that's what the show was. Like it was like basically a, a high school peanuts gang where all you see are the kids and their adventures and their doings and how they relate to each other because there there were no teachers in this. And I thought it was awesome that that's how this whole episode was presented. Well, I think that's important. And, and, and I think that's, that's a realistic view. I, the route to go, and welcome back, Cotter did this, most sitcoms did this in the 80s, is you give the kids a parental mentor. You know, you give them the one outsider teacher or the one stuffy Mr. whatever his name was on Boy Meets World teacher that is there to dole out some advice. And every now and then they might have a little problem. The kids let them see the world differently. But you give them a parent figure to 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 to, to gravitate to. And like you said, like with Peanuts – we don't have that with Charlie Brown, and we don't really have it on the show. The adults on the show are either idiots <laughs> or sex vamps, as we'll get into in a little bit. Like, they aren't there to teach. <laughs> they aren't there to be a role model. And, and I, I do think that's consistent through the show. And I think that was one of the show's charms. Like you're saying, it's these kids' world. And that's, I wanted to ask you that. Was your school set up that way? Like, I was almost a little surprised how little influence <laughs> adults have in the school world. Because I just remember there being adults everywhere in school. There was always a librarian or a hall monitor or a cafeteria worker or one of the teachers themselves. Like, I don't remember the because there was a feeling of privacy and isolation for these kids. Yeah, I don't recall having that um, at any level in school. There was always someone there. Um, even when, even when it was like a kid organized thing, you had your, your, your student, uh, or excuse me, your teacher, um, who was sponsoring that event or was, was your, like you're saying your mentor for that, that group or whatever. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't recall that. Um, but maybe when I was in the world, um, at that time, you, you kind of maybe blocked out the fact that there were teachers there. 
and it was just sort of your kid world, um, I could I could see that. And I just I liked how this episode presented that mm-hmm. uh, because that's that's all it was. It was like the kids in the class talking before and after. You didn't see them taking tests. You didn't see them having to study. It was just the social aspects of their world. And do you buy that? Like, do you buy their friendships? I, I, I did. This is, you're right. I you're mean, jumping into the middle of the series. Yeah, so. I did buy it. I, I did buy it. I was thrown by the acting. I was thrown by... <laughs> so what exactly? Like, who else? Like, what oh, did you think uh, of the Jamie Ali, Gertz's the, character? Yeah, the do Jamie like Gertz's character, Muffy. What do you think of her? She's like the preppy, spoiled She's the preppy high school sp- kiss-ass Exactly. And, and she tries to... Like, I don't know if she was the school president, but she basically was acting like the school president in a way that the president of the school got to make all the decisions and organize all the events uh, for all these kids. Um, and, I, and again, I think she's a freshman too, but to me, she seems like she's a, a junior or a senior, the way she acts. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, I thought she was, seemed very young. Again, it was hard for me to, to gauge that because everybody seemed to be the wrong age, except for the two leads. They seemed to fit. I mean, um, she does seem to be like a cliche. She she's is a the cliche. Character she's that an over-the-top an cartoon character. I liked her more as as I watched the episodes. Um, I got used to the character. I got used to what that character was and what the bit was. I think um, she's a great character. I oh, think yeah, she has yeah. one of the best lines of the series a few episodes later. Um, there's a comedian kid uh, named Marshall, one of their friends. I think he's attracted to. Um, is he attracted to? I think he's attracted to Lauren. He's like kind of their their foursome, and he's this kid yeah. who always is making jokes. He makes a joke at Muffy's expense, and I don't quite remember what the joke is, but her response to him, and I feel like it's very telling, not just for who she is, but kind of how we move through school. She basically, or she does say to him, "I'm going to ignore that because I don't get it." <laughs> And walks away. Like, yeah. I, I love that character. And again, I can see how that character could be a, a, a your typical, like, she would, you could move her into another sitcom probably pretty successfully. Right. But Jamie Gertz does really good work well, with that too, character, I think. Yeah. And, and that's why at first, yeah, I wasn't impressed with the show at first, but it, it grew on me. And I think part of the fact that she exists, that that character exists in this otherwise well, not entirely. They're, the two main characters, are, I think, are very reality-based. They're very relatable. Um, and they, In fact, they're some of the most real characters I've ever seen yeah. in something. And then everyone around them, maybe not everyone, but a lot of characters around them are so over the top, um, including um, Muffy and Slash. Um, and Marshall is more relatable, I think. Um, but then the he's like the closest to actually being a geek or a nerd. Like you could yeah. almost apply a cliche to him, but he he wants to be funny. I mean, he reminded me a lot of uh, Sam Levine's character on Freaks and Geeks. Right, like, I feel like it's the same kind of character. But also, I knew that character in school. That is someone who actually, even by second grade, I knew someone like that who's just always making jokes. <laughs> I think I lived with someone like that for a while. But no, I'm just like I I love that character, and he yeah. he seems I guess outside of the leads, he does seem of the he seems like a freshman, and he seems very believable with like his jealousies and things like that. Like I love that character. What? Uh, but you're saying like so Johnny Slash, you don't think is a very believable character? No, not really. I mean, he's more of a cartoonish sort of character. I think the uh, the the Tracy Nelson character is sort of cartoonish, um, especially early on. I think she becomes a bit more real as the these four episodes go on, at least to me. 
Um, and then uh, the I can't think of the name of the basically the the uh, troubled youth guy. What was the uh, the oh Vinny. Vinny? That's the one character I I have nothing to say. Like he he's the character I feel like that you didn't have a personality. Yeah, again, yeah, he seems like just a. a, a I mean, his name's Vinny. So, of course, he's a cartoon character of... But he fluctuates through the series. Sometimes he's a cool guy. Sometimes he's a dumb guy. Yeah. But he's not a cool, dumb guy. He's one or the other. <laughs> That's what other. serves him. He's, um, he's Jennifer's boyfriend. Uh, Yeah. I mean, she thinks so, and sometimes he thinks so. Yeah. It was, it was, it was tough to come into it um, in episode 12 or 13 because I didn't get who was who. And I thought there was like some hints that Jennifer wanted to be with Vinny. And then later in the episode, it, they clearly were together. Um, so, yeah. I think she's possessive of him. I He is the one character I feel like you could do without. Jennifer has a best friend named LaDonna mm-hmm. who plays into this episode. She wants to be a DJ on the radio station. Uh, she's the sole black character at the school, which was my school. <laughs> Like, and I don't know if, and I think it's intentional because she, she makes a lot of, if the show's going to be progressive, she makes a lot of quips and asides to white people and to being the only black girl and to, she wants to get, she wants to work at the radio station at the school. She wants to be on and she's talking about how it's only white guys on the radio. Like she's making all these comments and you, you don't necessarily see her discriminated against. But it's there. It's an underlying theme that, yeah, she's been discriminated against. Like, what did you think of that character? I loved her. No, yeah, I liked her. Um, yeah, no, she was not. Yeah, I didn't see her as cartoony as the others. Um, I mean, her delivery sometimes could be when you were saying before about acting. That's what I thought you were talking about. Like yeah. sometimes her delivery is a little Saved by the Bell script reading, but I just thought she was so funny, and her and Jennifer's friendship is very close. And I like they're like best friends. That's very sweet. Yeah, I mean that's th- those are the cast of characters. I, I, with the exception of Vinny, I just I feel like they're all very realistic individuals. And I know we're not talking much about the episode itself. Why don't we jump into the next one? Because unless there's something like not much happens in this episode, I guess. Yeah, it was an interesting. It, it was a, a weird one to start with for me, anyway. Okay. Um, well, how do you feel about the married pranksters? That's the next episode we saw. Um, yes, this again, it sort of disappointed me a little bit because a principal is involved. And I, again, thought that it would be very cool if this series never involved uh, adults. Um, yeah, he's a very cartoony principal too. I have to say, yeah. I don't like that character. Yeah. And, and the more you talk about how you're describing, it's a 70s kind of um, sense of, of uh, humor. Um and, and putting authority figures, you know, um, into these uh, b- being, you know, idiots or, or sex crazed or whatever. Um, that I can see that a lot more now uh, in the series. Uh, but yeah, so Mary Pranksters, yeah, it, again, it was it was the two girls trying to find a way to stand out. And I guess somebody had been pranking the school or, or putting graffiti somewhere on the school. And so... Uh, or doing a prank in class. That's that's how it started. They did did a prank in class um, where everybody hummed at the same time. 
And else that had another one of, I thought, the greatest lines of this series. And I feel like this I related to. So yeah, they're setting up a prank where as the teacher's talking, they're passing a note around class saying, you know, at 1030, let's all start humming under our breath. So, you know, like all at once, they don't know where the humming's from. But as they're passing the note around, Lauren goes to grab it and then the person passes it around her. She doesn't get to look at it. And her response to this, and this again, we're talking about a show where they where they want to be popular, they want to be in these cliques, but I think they know how ridiculous these cliques are because her reaction to having the note passed around her is, oh great, another dumb thing we don't know about, Yeah, is her line. So she's angry that they're not participating, but she knows that it's dumb. And I think that is the heart of the show. I, I liked this episode. It's very convoluted because what happens is they wind up... <laughs> Lauren and Patty decide, like, we're going to do a prank to get popular. Yeah. But they're not going to say that they did the prank. Like, it's it's a lot to go through. But at the heart of it, once again, it's this theme of the show about popularity and about how complicated popularity is and also how awful popularity is. Like, they want to be popular, but they, it just sucks. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, I don't know, I it's, this is, you know, I've. This episode's a little more sitcom-y. They break into the school in all black clothing. There's some weird music as they're doing that. And moments like that don't work for me. They do the thing that I feel like this was happening in so many sitcoms ever since All the President's Men came out. There's a scene where the guys pose as deep throat, you know, like in the right. trench coat and the hat because right. they've got some knowledge on what was going on. I saw that in Welcome Back, Cotter kind of thing. Yep. You know, so those things, that felt very sitcom-y. That felt a little uneven. So the show's not immune to that, but... And it's so strangely paced, but this show, more than the previous episode, you know, the, the previous episode was kind of about physical bodies and, and, you know, just that development of I don't want my glasses kind of thing. This one is just that thing in school. And it's, it's, there's a lot of foresight to it because I don't think I realized it at first when I was in high school. It took till senior year to realize that a lot of what you're striving to get in high school is ridiculous, is dumb, and you don't want it. I mean, I think that's what these clicks and popularity are is that Patty does not want to be popular and Lauren talks about it, but, and wants to be, she's the one who talks it up, but she knows how dumb these high school clicks are and she still wants to be a part of it. And I, that's not in a show normally, normally the people are either above the clicks or they're in the clicks. This is a show that our, our heroes are so faulted. You know, yeah. they, they're buying into this embarrassing aspect of school. And I, I know I, I thought I, it's it's weird that that theme is so dramatic and so existential and it's surrounded by these comical pratfalls and things like this. I like this episode. It didn't work for me at the end as much, but I liked at least that it had this showed the theme of the show really strongly, I thought. Yeah, it was. um no, yeah, I, I have very little to add to that. That That's well said, Tim. <laughs> but did you enjoy, like, did you enjoy watching this episode? Like, were you enthralled in it, or is it, are you watching it because you have to talk about it on the podcast? I, I mean, I don't think I ever would have seen an episode of Square Pegs, except that you wanted to talk about it here. You I saw think, four. Uh, yeah, I have now seen four. Um, so, but as I'm watching it, I, I definitely um, was... I don't know if I was enjoying it as much as I was no. understanding w the appeal of it. Like I, I understood the appeal of of it being th these kids and really relatable. Um, there was some 
there's good. I, I like the running gag through the Merry Pranksters of one of their pranks really falling flat, but turns out it was the actual the one that had the most success where they put um, the school up for sale. <laughs> and they thought nobody was calling that wasn't going anywhere. And then somebody was trying to f- pretend to be uh, um, calling from the Middle East or something. And then later, towards the end of the episode, uh, a, a guy kind of stereotypically dressed like a sheik or something comes in, apparently offering money for the school. Because, you know, and that happens in the background. They don't even, I don't think, even realize that that's happening. So, like, I, I, I enjoyed that. It, it, I got that it was. Definitely trying to be something different than what was on uh, television at that time, and I and I like that about it. Um, and I could relate to to that, and I and I could understand why, even though I thought it was kind of poorly acted, uh, it wasn't poorly written, you know. Um, and also the other thing that stood out, and and this episode had a lot of it, is all of the shows that I saw uh, growing up were in their own little generic worlds where everything happened in that world. And that world kind of existed in my world, but really it just existed in TV. These shows were set in our world. And they referenced Barbara Walters and the ratings for Little House on the Prairie and that Michael (laughs) Landon was no longer on that show. And Card Sharks. They made a reference to Card Sharks. That alone was like, great, awesome. This show's amazing. I love it. So, no, I mean, that's my earliest memory of this, sh- or one of those standout memories is there's the, the Bill Murray episode, which maybe we should have watched that one. Mm. He's flipping through a comic book and he basically reads and makes fun of one of those hostess ads with the Hulk. I don't know if you remember comic books, you used to have sure. one page hostess, like Twinkie ads with superheroes. Yeah. And I just remember as a kid, I never saw that on a TV show before. Yeah, I never saw people call out stuff I knew. And watching it now, I mean, I wouldn't have gotten this in second grade, but like they talk about The Doors, they talk right. about Josie Cotton, there's Oingo Boingo posters, Roxy Music posters, there's that Munsters versus Adams Family conversation. And I kind of am interested in going back and watching these episodes now, because like you, after I watched these, I wanted to learn a little bit more. I wanted to see what was on at the same time. Um, you mentioned The Doors. Apparently, the drummer, whose name escapes me now for The Doors. Um, John Densmore? Yes. He guests on the episodes, on a couple episodes of the show, as a drummer for one of the characters' bands. I don't know if it's Slash <laughs> or Vinny, but he's the drummer in the band a right, couple times. That. And that band breaks up and then reforms, and he's still the drummer <laughs> in that second band. And I haven't seen these episodes. It's just me reading about it. And that kind of of comedy and writing and, and building of this universe, I... As 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 much as I was kind of, you know, it was like nails on a chalkboard, some of this, the way it was oh. acted. At the same time, I get why it was appealing and how people connected to it. And even after so many years, if somebody mentions it, if they watched it, um, they immediately were like, oh, yeah, that show was amazing. Because this seems like the kind of show that had I seen it, and maybe I needed to be a little older still, too, because I don't know if I would have gotten these references. Um had I seen it, I think I would have very much enjoyed it at that time. Yeah, I mean, I here's the thing. I was enjoying it at that time. Yeah. That's weird to me because I know I wasn't getting it. It's your, I wasn't uh, getting all of it's it. It's your Misfits of Science. Well, maybe for the listeners, Misfits of Science was a 1985, 86, 84, 86 
sci-fi comedy drama on NBC that Bob got canceled. Uh, we did an episode on it. I'll link it in the show notes. So you can check that out. But this show, and I guess, you know, we don't have to talk about the last episodes in detail. I think it, it's, it's more just, this is such an anomaly of 1980s television. Yeah. Like there, there is nothing else like this show. And I don't know if we've done it justice talking about it, but I, I just, I'm surprised, I guess, that I found it so intriguing at the time because this show has always been in my head this and it shaped some of my views i think both patty and lauren shaped my ideas of how to move through high school and again i wasn't necessarily these characters i've never found a character that i felt i totally am but memories of this from the second grade when i was watching this helped set up and made it a little easier to bear that i mean this the show is a tragedy Patty and Lauren's life is a tragedy because high school is a fucking tragedy. I mean, they're the most realistic characters on the show. They're different. You know, you're saying like they don't get noticed because they, they're their own beings. They're their own individuals. Yeah. And there isn't space in high school for that. You know, there isn't space for actual individuality in the social setting of high school. They're the most unique minds on the screen, and they still want to be a part of a group. And that group never seems appealing. Yeah. And the you know the, these cliques and the people in these cliques they make it so miserable for Patty and Lauren to try to be individuals that of course they'd want to be in the cliques just to have, just to no longer be made fun of, just to not right. have this stress and the people in these cliques you know the people like jennifer and then ladonna if they weren't so designated by the nature of that clique to keep using that word they'd probably be decent people but i think what the show is looking at and 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 not preaching and also not offering and this is maybe why it sticks with me it doesn't offer an antidote to this you know we all want to fit into something you know and what we want to fit in is never a real thing you know, we don't want to fit into these, or at least I didn't want to fit into the groups that I thought I wanted to fit in for anything other than just to have the comfort of, well, now I don't have to be me, you know? And and, and the show doesn't pull any punches with that. It's not telling you to be an individual. It's never, I mean, I think it is heroic to a degree, but Patty and Lauren aren't heroic characters. They're tragic characters in school. Do you think there was an endgame in mind where this lesson would be learned by the time they hit their fourth season or whatever? Or do you think that just wasn't the goal at all? I would like to think it's not the goal. I don't know if it could sustain itself for four years because that would get sad, right? (laughs) I mean, but at the same time, you're following the growth of high school. I mean, this is written by people who clearly remember, like you were saying yourself, sometimes the writing was better than the acting. This is written by people who clearly get that school was hard who remember school, who, who who lived through. And they're using the references of the time that the, that, that the characters are in, but they get it. Yeah. You know, I would hope if the show kept going that it would just, you know, there would be tensions within their friend circles, you know, like Patty and Lauren would have tensions and new characters would come in and people would have falling outs. But no, I mean, I, 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 I think ideally I would love it if it just kept, it just showed you how awful school is for four <laughs> right. years. But the way TV shows work, I think we both know, I think the core cast would eventually become friends. They would soften the edges of the show if it kept going 
one, they'd find a way to keep him in school past four years. But two, yeah, I think eventually, like, this is a cruel show. And even characters, and I guess you don't, but like the character of Jennifer, who I loved as a kid, that's a cruel character. And there's no apology for it ever. Yeah. I don't know. I This is a weird show for a second grader <laughs> to want to see every week. Because I'm sure I didn't get all of it. No, I, don't, sure I doubt I you did. I doubt it. you got this level of it. I mean. Yeah. No, I um, know I didn't. But I think there must have been something in that because it stayed with me. Yeah. Because what's engaging about the show, though, if you're not getting something of this, this themic sadness from it? Like, <laughs> it's not laugh after laugh after laugh. There are some I laughed out loud a lot, actually, watching it. But it's not like you're not timed with a laugh track. I mean, you are because it's there, but it's, it doesn't have the rim shots of, right. you know, when I would watch Family Ties or these other shows. That's why I was trying to see what else was on. It's yeah. like this. I didn't have a comparis- comparison to this show. Yeah, there's definitely not, like, space for laughter. They just can kind of talk over it and move on to the next thing. Um, but, but you, yeah, I mean, I think I think maybe you're, you're, you're misremembering um, – the laughter part, because I bet you found it funnier than you might be finding it now. I, I I talk about, you know, making references to pop culture in your daily conversations. I mean, maybe you weren't inspired by this show, but certainly it might have laid some groundwork for how, how you talk and how you talk to people and how you make, make those references. And so maybe that was... Maybe. I mean, this is probably like, you know, the example she were saying, like with Little House on the Prairie and Card Sharks. Yeah, this probably... Showed me that that's how you could talk. Yeah. Which is great. I think it's great. I don't know. Yeah, I kind of want to go back and and maybe watch the series. See the season. See how it unfolds. See how it starts. I still feel like I'm I'm missing out on how it all got established. Yeah, I think you might be a little let down then. I like the first <laughs> episode, but it does kind of jump. It is the first day of school, but it jumps right in. Okay. You're supposed to know who everybody is. Okay. A qu- quick question then. The the opening monologue that opens every episode, is that from the first episode? That was my assumption. It's not. I thought it would be, and it's not. I went back and watched the pilot. It's just for the opener. Wow. Also, it took me two episodes to realize who is saying the majority of it. But then yeah. it makes sense. It's it's Lauren DePatty. It's Lauren's idea to do all that. And that that's pretty true to the, yeah. to the show, I think. I think if I had watched this uh, at the time, I would have had a huge crush on Lauren. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's sweet. She's funny and she has a good sense of fashion. Yeah. And I just, again, they are so aware. Like that's, that's what I think was missing. And I don't know why shows or shows wouldn't do this unless maybe it's just too painful. They are aware of how awful that people are, but also how awful to want this is. Like she flat out, Lauren says it. (laughs) She's acknowledging how horrible what they want is. I just, that awareness and I don't even, and I didn't have that till later in high school that, the, yeah, this is pretty dumb. But I just like, that's such a cynical show, really. Yeah. With like endearing leads. Right. <laughs> and I, I'm sorry it didn't last longer. And I'm sorry that more people haven't seen it. And I don't know. It, again, it doesn't sound like it. I, I, you were saying you wonder if I remember it wrong. I am wondering how much of this am I rebuilding in my head but i I know it it was always in there i know it was at least there yeah and i love it and i will i mean i'll rewatch it i'll show it i think 
of stuff we've watched and gone back to. This is one of my favorite things to have just gone back to because it just speaks volumes. And, you know, I wish I could understand more how I liked it as a second grader. Because, again, I don't know what's in this show for a second grader. But I'm glad it was there because it definitely, I think you said, laid the groundwork for something. I am sure that there are listeners out there that have the same connection to Square Pegs. Maybe not for the same reasons, but but Square Pegs means something to them, and I'd like to hear from them. Oh, I would too then, because I feel like I enjoy talking to you, but I don't feel like you like the show. I which is fine. respect Square Pegs. Mm-hmm. Isn't that good? That's great. I bet Square Pegs would appreciate that. <laughs> and if you appreciate it like Square Pegs appreciates it, segue into what? Into oh god, this is going bad. I thought I had it. You know what it is? I got a pee. That's what it is. <laughs> you just want so, you just want this over with. Let's wrap it up. Let's wrap it up and then I'll run. Um, if you like the show, thank you for listening to the show. If you like the show, you can find out more about the show. Maybe subscribe to the show. Hear past episodes of the show at 20podcast.com. That's the main show website. Always has the most recent episode up there as well as links to all of our past episodes. I would encourage you if you enjoyed today's episode or maybe there's an episode prior to this one that's recent enough that you enjoyed it so you came back for this one check out some old episodes we've got 78 maybe 78 episodes in there it's a lot of topics that we've covered we'll be covering more in the upcoming weeks and months uh you can also follow the show there Uh, there's links to follow us on facebook you can follow us on twitter at 20 popcast instagram at 20 popcast and you can also just follow me as an individual who has to pee at subcultist bob plug yourself because i'm really plugging something right now (laughs) you can follow me as well uh at rh canning on Twitter. Um, so follow and tag and let us know what you think about uh, Square Pegs and Lauren Hutchinson because I would have had a crush on her. Oh, which is nice except you're a 42-year-old man. Hey, she was weird. she was competing with, with a 30-year-old teacher uh, for a 24-year-old uh, janitor, so I think everything's open. She Perhaps. was doing it in that way that uh, high schoolers do it when you have an adult that you talk to and you feel like you're equals. Oh, you're doing fine. it in sort of an Elizabeth Perkins and Big sort of way. Yeah, which is and totally cool. I've, I've, I'm cool with that. All right. Listeners, if you're cool with that, Bob's phone number is <laughs> no. But that's great. That's wonderful. I'm cool with Elizabeth Perkins and Big. So if that's what you're comparing me to, I can live with that. How are you cool with Elizabeth well, Perkins and Big? People should check out the episode and you'll find out. Elizabeth Perkins and Big Episode. (laughs) All right. uh, Thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, Bob's got a catchphrase for you, and I've got to go. I got to go. Yeah. Tim's got a toot. (laughs) I've got some kids that are a little hard to wrangle, but we're working on that. Yeah, Allison and I got a couple kids this uh, past weekend. Hey, we're doing nice. great. No, it's, Congratulations. It's, a, it's a breeze. And these these are troubled kids, but we are just we're doing <laughs> fine. I, I can't get over it. Like we're in shape. We're well rested. <laughs> um, we've got a lot of time just to read the books we want to read and do little projects by ourselves. So yeah, no buying <laughs> these two kids. That's key. Was the best. You got to be able to do your little projects. Yeah, no, I'm, so good, I'm really into job. it, and it's like I love all of their parents. So their friends' parents are the best people. It's great. That's good. That's really super. And sometimes when I run into somebody and the kids are with me, I don't talk about them. I can talk about something else. It's, yeah, this is the best. Parenting's the best. 
It is. You're a lucky man. I never want to do it, ever. <laughs> I do you're, not. You're a smart man, also. Want to, well, here, I, don't, I want to say you are, but that's recorded. 